Welcome to the Life is a Ceremony podcast by Petiti Institute. We're inspired to share practical insights to engage everyday life as an evolutionary journey. Every moment is an opportunity to practice. If you would like to send us a question or a comment or a donation, you're welcome to visit www.paititi-institute.org. That's www.paititi-institute.org. This episode, Roman Hannes and Emily Golfrey will discuss engaging challenging times in an evolutionary way, how our individual resilience is found in authentic relatedness and community resourcefulness. Hello, friends. This is uh, Roman and uh, Emily. We are coming to you from the Paititi Institute in the midst of uh, our unexpected travels. Cynthia is also here. She is our technical director. So great to see there are ways for us to continue connecting and tuning in together. Our uh, Awakening Humanity tour got interrupted, but humanity seems to be awakening continuously. We are here to be in support and service of that. Today, the topic is pretty obvious, I think. It's uh, how to engage with uh, these challenging times in an evolutionary way. We're not going to talk about uh, the different news or conspiracy theories. There is plenty of that already. But actually, to have a way to really engage and approach what is happening in the world right now, what is happening in our personal lives and have more objectivity and spaciousness perspective is something that we are inspired to be in support of. Yeah, I just want to say I'm really glad to be here connecting with you all today. It's definitely not my favorite way to um, connect with people and put myself behind a camera. And, and at the same time, I see that this is the opportunity that I have to connect with our community right now. And, and that's the most important thing that I want to be doing at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad to be here with you all and going through a powerful rite of passage with the, you know, I feel connected to our whole global community in some ways. And even today, I have been going through my own struggle in the face of the global process that's unfolding and struggling to find a balance between seeing what's unfolding as a potential blessing and wake-up call in my life and um, on a global humanity um, level. And at this, on the other hand, um, really wanting to be smart and proactive and uh, not carried away by the fear um, that's coming up in myself and being reflected on global media. So yeah, I'm trying to find a balance there. And so yeah, this uh, balancing, juggling act that uh, many people are going through right now uh, between our collective and uh, personal processes and what's happening on the level of the environment and of course the inner environment. And uh, at times it may seem like we are in some kind of a strange sci-fi movie experiencing an alternate reality, parallel dimension kind of process. And um, a lot of unexpected factors are coming up. Uh, there are all kinds of constant new developments that are happening in the world. And more than anything, I see that there is this crisis that is happening right now. And the crisis is also can be an opportunity to awaken, to see deeper meaning in everything. And there may be all kinds of different agendas and processes are taking place. And uh, there can also be a more objective, more bird's eye view into the situation that can allow us to really move forward in a way that is uh, actually meaningful and beneficial to ourselves and others. I was seeing research a while ago of uh, this scientist who was investigating what can happen 
at uh, a very critical time in different communities and social situations and potentially during severe crises such as this. And they described that actually, yeah, it's good to have different survival skills. And at the same time, what has proven to be the most beneficial throughout human history is the bond between people and the way that uh, the communities can actually work together and support each other through the time of crisis. And that can be more essential than the survival skills that each one of us can learn individually. And that, of course, relates to what is happening right now in the world where there are a lot of reactions and amplification of what has already been happening in our global society in terms of the fear-based mentality and scarcity mentality and uh, hoarding of toilet paper and whatnot. And uh, yeah, we can all die with really clean butts, but that's not really necessarily going to be so beneficial to anyone. And so how can we really stay connected and continue to care for each other and be in touch and share our gifts and qualities and resources and potential with each other? Right now we have technology to be able to do that. And we can utilize whatever is available to us to strengthen those human bonds and connections with each other. And then also I see that this quarantine and all of this situation in the world can also be a catalyst for an inner evolution within each one of us instead of binging on movies and useless things that just uh, distract ourselves and keep our mind off of what is happening to bring greater intention and meaning into everything that is taking place in the world right now. And we are currently in Mexico. We have not been able to get back to Peru or to continue our tour and our community here in Mexico. We have really beautiful friends and a very dear community that are taking really good care of us. Here we can take some time and really reflect and see how people right now are starting to react. And more than ever, it's essential to learn how to stay centered and present and calm and not to let the external storms sway our mind. Because to me, that seems to be actually more dangerous than uh, any physical health condition is this uh, mental panic and frantic reactions to what is happening. And so to actually stay present and open to the challenges is essential. During any times of crisis and in my family background, and I've experienced that early on in my life growing up in Soviet Union, where there was a lot of intimidation tactics and all kinds of different crowd controls and also racism. And during the times when things would get really hard on the general population, people would find a scapegoat and try to go after them and blame a certain ethnic group for all of the problems in people's lives. That happened also to my family. And I come from a Jewish heritage and background and my family have experienced that and I have experienced that in my own skin when I was in school and uh, had to struggle through that. And so right now in different places that seems to be also uh, starting to take place where people tend to blame everything on the foreigners. Whether it's uh, in Peru right now we are hearing how that is taking place in different areas where the foreigners are blamed for everything. And uh, then uh, there's a lot of anger and hatred and I see that it comes from unprocessed shadows within people's lives. So people don't know how to face their own fears, how to deal with their own challenges, with their own struggles, have a lot of anxiety, and then they don't want to face it in themselves, and then naturally they want to pick 
some kind of a scapegoat to blame it on. Then, of course, uh, if there is a reaction to that, if that fear causes anger, causes panic, and then it just starts to escalate and create a wave throughout the population, then it only gets worse. And so then to maintain presence, to not go along with that, and to face one's own shadows, one's own fears, is something that I find very essential and beneficial in times like this. And to take the time and instead of avoiding the issues and just uh, hope for it all to go away, to actually see, yeah, there are people right now in the world that are struggling a lot more than I am, a lot more than we are. And at the same time, I can relate to that through the times in my life where I have struggled a lot more than I struggle right now. How did I deal with those times? How did I go through those times? How can I relate to that now looking back in my life? I can often see that in those specific situations in my life where I was experiencing a severe crisis, where I was dealing with a lot of challenges and troubles and issues and I was overwhelmed and not knowing what to do and lost and confused and struggling and suffering, being a refugee, not having anything to eat. When I was experiencing that in my life, at that time I was completely at a loss. And yet I was able to go through those times and looking back at them, I can see how there were blessings in disguise. And I can see that in a more objective way, of course, now. But then that can help me to also deal with the current crisis and also see how certain experiences and situations can be that blessing in disguise. Right now, what is happening in the world may not be the worst case scenario. And at the same time, it's a good wake up call and a reminder to really engage in our lives in a more intentional way to see what is that spark of inspiration, of passion. What do I really love in my life? Who do I love? Who are the people that I really wish to be with? And how can I be more in tune with that? How can I gear my life more in that direction rather than just keep stagnating and following societal norms and uh, think that I just going to be this wheel in the mechanism doing this mechanical thing so that uh, maybe later on in my life I can follow what truly matters to me. And so then this is a good way to reflect on that and see then I don't want to waste my life and I don't want to live my life just based on what I'm being told by the government or by the society or how to improve the economy and uh, how to continue perpetuating a system based on superficial and false values. And then how can I really tune in into the more universal law of nature and uh, be in tune with uh, the ebbs and flows, with the rhythms of nature within myself and within our greater intentional community in my life? How can I be more in tune and in service with that? and then uh, really abide in that center of the deepest inspiration, of the deepest passion in my life. So those are some of the reflections that I find useful during times like this. And instead of going into the herd mentality, then uh, to actually take a moment and take some deep breaths. And uh, we are also inspired to breathe deeply with our community and so we'll share a little bit more about some of our envisioning of how we can do that across the distance with everyone who are inspired to continue cultivating that shared frequency that deeper bond among all of us yeah this this entire process that's unfolding on a global level has been encouraging me to reflect on my own transformation life journey and recognizing a really strong wake-up call that came when I was 25 and I was diagnosed with colon cancer at that time 
and in this reflection process over many years, I can see that that was a blessing in disguise, maybe the biggest blessing of my life in terms of a personal wake-up call. And then going into this um, collective process that you know we're all a part of at the moment, I feel really strongly that it's also a wake-up call, but this time I'm relating to it on a much larger perspective, as in a collective wake-up call that has a great potential for everybody to recognize the impermanence in life. And that's been a really strong message for me coming on our tour and thinking that, you know, things are going to unfold a certain way and then finding myself in quarantine in Mexico. And yeah, in this situation, I can really relate to this reaction to the situation in a blaming way. Like, so easy for me to want to blame all of my external circumstances for for me being in this situation that I'm in. And then seeing this is actually an opportunity for me to look and really take responsibility for how how have I contributed to this global process that's unfolding right now. And one of the big messages that I'm trying to take in is has to do with where I'm focusing my energy. My, um, you know, if I'm just focusing on myself and my agenda and wanting to feel secure and um, supported in a very particular way, and then having the carpet pulled out from underneath me and finding myself um, in a place that is more unfamiliar and makes me feel uneasy just to be out of my comfort zone, um, which has also been a blessing to start engaging with life, redirecting that creative energy to the to my given circumstances. And Roman mentioned um, how important the community is at this time, and that's one thing that I feel in the past, wherever I've been living, I... I really take that um, into account that I have a community support and I know my food systems and then even that feels like it was kind of pulled out from under me and I don't have the same community resources or avenues network system that I'm used to and just because of that I have to engage from this like vulnerable kind of shaky place in myself and push my own edges and limitations and start to communicate with the farmers and community and extended community that's here in Mexico um, and finding a lot of beauty in that unfolding, just reaching out and, and having to lean on others for support. Um, in a way where it encourages me also to see what can I really be giving at this time and offering. So. Mm, thank you, Emily. Yeah, this is a big one uh, at this time is this uh, uh, resilience, both on individual and community level. What is that resilience of uh, my own organism, of our greater organism? And uh, these times are actually encouraging that resilience. Instead of going into this fear mode and panic and seeing, okay, well, what are the herbal remedies that can be implemented? What are the immune support system that can be provided by fresh oxygen, by air, by the sunlight, by the vitamin D, being in nature? How can... Uh, that be encouraged uh, within ourselves? How can each one of us tune in into the nature that we are and often are forgetting about that? And then, of course, that has many layers to it. It's not 
just the nature and the level of nutrition and uh, supplements and uh, the herbal remedies, although that is an essential part of that. But uh, it's uh, the true nature of our being, the true nature of each of our sparks. What is that greater purpose in each of our lives that we are willing to face the challenges through the difficult times? If I don't have that greater purpose, then the struggle is too much. If uh, I don't tune in into the oxygen that we are breathing in a way that uh, is actually connected to the shared breath, that is connected to the original ancestral meaning of breath, which is that shared organism, that this ecosystem that we are all living in, then the breath is not so meaningful. The breath is not really so beneficial. And so it is this resilience that uh, is being pointed to right now with everything that is happening in the world. There is also this uh, experience that is taking place of the quarantine that is kind of like a pressure cooker. Okay, now everyone have to just be with themselves, with uh, their immediate family members, and uh, at times that can feel very intense. And it is this alchemical pressure cooker, okay, within this environment where there is a confinement, there is something that is being gestated, that is this essence that has to go through transformation. And the pressure cooker, as we know, it can get very hot. And it's this uh, virus that is going around right now that raises temperature in the world. And before this virus has come into our organism and into our being, we've had fires rage throughout the whole planet, raising the temperature on the external level. And now the same is happening on the inside. And yeah, it's also part of this ancestral wisdom that we are working with, where every illness has wisdom to it. There is a certain communication that is coming through on many, many levels of our being and of our lives. And so then to see, okay, this temperature is being raised. The, the oxygen is lacking. People are having trouble breathing. People are having trouble connecting with each other. People are put into isolation because people have already been in that kind of isolation for quite a while now in the world. And now it's just becoming more and more tangible. This is what we have gotten ourselves into. And then the willingness to actually listen to those messages. And it's not really the isolation of us having to be six feet away from each other. But it's more the isolation of really caring for each other and tuning in and reaching out and uh, relating to other people. And then of course, is this illusion of security that has been created in the world today. And that's something to reflect upon. What is this illusion of security? Business as usual. Nothing is happening. Nobody cares. And the environment is polluted and abandoned. People are just thinking about uh, immediate instant gratification. And at a certain point, there are repercussions of that. And so it's this continuous change and not taking things for granted. One of my favorite sayings by the Beatles, I believe, is uh, life is what happens when we make other plans. And so, yeah, life is happening. Are we willing to be alive right now? Are we willing to actually engage with crisis with deeper intention and meaning, with a greater presence, instead of continuing putting it in the background and pretending like nothing is going on and that it will all go away by itself. And so there are wake-up calls and I do see that nature is doing it in a very skillful way where there are messages that are continuously coming into our lives and of course if those messages are not listened to then they continue to be amplified 
and whatever people have the conspiracy theories and fear-mongering and all of those different agendas there is an even higher intelligence and even all of those different agendas they're also playing a certain role within a greater intelligence of this shared organism we are all a part of and it's this dance between the shadow and the light that is essential for evolution and then it is up to each one of us to cultivate the highest view to cultivate the more objective perspective that can be empowering to our lives and not ignoring everything else but also not getting wrapped up in all of the disturbances and all kinds of different uh, reactive modes and herd mentalities and so it's essential and that can be the key actually to maintain that seed of consciousness and to share presence and uh, to share openness and caring with each other and uh, in that way there is meaning in our lives i was also reflecting uh, also how we come to this point and uh, i believe that it was mentioned actually by charles darwin surprisingly who towards the end of his life he completely reversed all of his theories about the survival of the fittest and then he reflected upon how evolution has come about and how humankind has evolved and it was actually by discovery of one of the more ancient humans who had a mended broken bone and so in order for someone to survive in ancient times in harsh environment and circumstances if some animal breaks their leg they are doomed they don't know how to support each other and help each other in that kind of situation so to see a mended human bone means evolution because there was someone there who actually helped them who supported them who protected them from ferocious animals from harsh circumstances who allowed the time for them to heal and take care of them and if we don't do that for each other then we are not evolving we are devolving and right now more than ever instead of just everyone are caring about their own hide and their own toilet paper that's more essential than uh, actually this self-preservation and survival instinct this caring for each other is more meaningful and that's what will allow us to move forward and so this is that resilience the resilience of uh, our greater organism the resilience of greater meaning in our lives and i find that to be very meaningful and very essential during times like this yeah i feel like even the space that quarantine is allowing can really encourage myself at least to open up to the larger collective and the messages coming through and being reflected i mean definitely through social media is one way that i'm feeling really connected and seeing the different messages of the greater picture coming through and having the space to piece that together in my own world that's um helping me just get over a, a limited perspective uh, and focusing the energy only on myself but seeing that it's essential to keep the connection going and not just in a time of crisis but really in every moment of my life be cultivating um more vulnerability and exposure and, and clear communication with not only the people that i live with and my loved ones but my community and then seeing it ripple out from there mm very much so so we published an article about 4 years ago who wants to be healed anyway we recently saw that it was quite 
meaningful for these times right now. And yeah, it talks about this recognition of the wisdom within the adversity, within the struggle, the Amazonian wisdom that relates to actually recognition of a communication that comes from the organic intelligence, from the higher consciousness through illnesses and diseases and how to reflect on that and tune in into that. And some of the reactions that we have received on that article were a little bit stressful. And people sharing that, yeah, that's great to see that evolutionary meaning, but uh, what about people that are really challenged right now, that are really struggling and may not have even the space to tune in into that evolutionary message and evolutionary meaning. And I see that that's also in my life has been an essential part of building a character and evolution. When I started to first experiencing that, I was definitely not prepared. I mentioned this illusion of security that definitely is more prevalent in first world countries today and a lot of the more developing countries have experienced all kinds of crises and struggles and can have a bit more of that resilience especially when people have more education and are not so prone to the panic and fear mentality and the control of the government and the media I do see that it's an essential wake-up call. So when I was young, I mentioned already, my family had to escape Soviet Union when, where we were growing and uh, become refugees and escape in the night and keep it a secret and not tell anyone and then uh, deal with all kinds of situations and struggles. And then I had the illness that I was dealing with that was considered to be incurable and also a lot of fear and anxiety was projected onto that and many other challenges that have happened afterwards, experiencing a shortage of food and needing to choose how do I deal with that and choosing to go on medicinal fasts and then finding a confirmation with uh, the story of uh, Mahatma Gandhi during the times when India was suffering from food shortage and he would go around teaching people how to fast, who were dying from hunger. At first, when I was experiencing that, it was completely overwhelming. And yet, then going through those experiences and facing them and discovering greater meaning and human values through those processes. And then starting to engage life in a more objective way and right now many people I see our friends in the US are struggling and are starting to really get real with themselves and tune in and see how for a long time it was taken for granted that uh, everything will be okay everything will be taken care of and not knowing how to engage with challenging situations in that way yeah that also helped me to respond uh, in a more heart-centered way to that stress that was projected because people may think, oh, well, you're giving this evolutionary perspective and because you're not struggling or you don't know what that means. Actually, it's essential to, in my life at least, to experience that struggle, to really feel the texture of it in order to not be intimidated by it and then to rise to the occasion. In all of our ancestral wisdom lineages, they talk about that. In the center of the disease, there is a great love waiting to be discovered. Not to run away from that, but to go to the core of it, to the core to the center of it within oneself. And then to see how I can begin to open myself up to others, how I can relate and not think that only people in developing world countries are struggling. And it has nothing to do with the first world population. So it is an opportunity 
to develop greater relatedness and tolerance and compassion and kindness across the borders. That is also part of that message. So right now, it's not just philosophizing about those things, but it's something that is becoming more and more obvious, how we are all interconnected and how my struggles are not just my own and how other people's struggles are not just their own. And it's up to each one of us to face it in ourselves, to discover that deeper connection. And then, of course, I can then start to engage and face the adversity with a smile. That's a Mexican expression. In Peru, they have a similar one. They talk about the bad luck and giving a smile to bad luck. Here they talk about adversity and to be able to smile in the face of that. And it's not just a smile, pretentious kind of smile, but it's a wholehearted kind of smile. That, yeah, there is struggle, that there are challenges, and then there is also that greater purpose that uh, can allow us to rise to the occasion and not to get uh, compressed and squeezed and get lost in the issues that are happening right now. And so it is that opportunity to really practice. It's not some kind of a appearance of a practice that I'm going to just sit and meditate and pretend that everything is fine, but to do it in every moment, to actually find that courage to be vulnerable, to see how I am helpless and how I don't have to make it wrong. And I can actually see that others may experience that helplessness as well. And then I can step over some of my limitations. And each one of us is capable of reaching out and contributing our own little heart so that we can all transcend the situation instead of being crabs in the bucket. And so that's also something that Emily's article was a, a great reminder recently that she wrote this awkward human being in the midst of a global change and how a sense of humor is essential not to make a drama about the challenges or about the problems, about being overwhelmed but actually to bring that more elevated perspective, to have a lighter attitude about it. See how yeah, if all of these issues and problems are happening, getting anxious and stressing out and worried about it is not going to help. I can still engage with all of the challenges and work with them and I can actually do it in a more beneficial way if the mind is clear, if I'm not so contracted and uh, frantic about that. And so then to bring a little bit of humor into the situation and continue to engage with it. I still get uh, swept away all the time by my emotions and create all sorts of dramatic scenarios in my mind and sometimes spilling that out into the space around me. Um, but it's definitely become my practice to recognize that and not take it so seriously and then, you know, over and over again, try to come back into what's actually important in front of me. And yeah, throughout this process, it's um, a question that has been bringing it back is really how can I be of benefit and what is my purpose to be here at this time and um, uncovering a greater relationship with my own creative spark and engagement with life. And I see that that's really essential at this time for um, everyone to be engaging in their own unique creative spark. And I see the farmers and the midwives and the seed savers and everybody who's been doing work that's related to a, a certain inspiration, that's what's really um, important to be coming through right now. Mm. 
Yeah, and the children. And um, it's been amazing to see how the reports show how the children are not so affected and experience a much more mild version of the illness. And it's bringing me back to that uh, childlike nature and the beginner's mind and the greater flexibility in the way situations are approached instead of making a big drama and going into the downward spiral with that, which I definitely also experience in myself. And then my son has been a great reminder. So our three-year-old son, sometimes I experience this down, downward spiral and then uh, I just sit kind of grumpy and I find that also to be an essential part of the practice, to feel the texture of that and to really be open with it. And then he comes over and he sees that and he says, oh, you're not feeling so well. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to give you a hug. And then he gives me a hug and he says, okay, now you're healed. That, that should be enough. And I do feel a lot better. And even if I'm still experiencing this more negative, lower frequency, I'm willing to get over myself to really honor the childlike nature. So I find that it has been a really beautiful process for me to, re to see how, yeah, there is this essential seed of life, that essential basic goodness under all of the stories and dramas and speculations and issues. And if I can really be open with all of those issues and not get lost in them, then naturally when that seed of basic goodness, when that spark of life is even emerging slightly, there is no question, there is no doubt. I fully and wholeheartedly stand for that. But in order to do that, I have to be present with everything else. Otherwise, if I just start to ignore all the issues, I also ignore that spark of goodness. And then I can recognize that spark of goodness in everyone around me more and more. So this, I think, gives us a context to engage with our community. Also, I wanted to share that we are planning to breed collectively and intentionally with our community, with everyone who are inspired. We are doing an intro talk into breathwork for those who haven't heard it before to do our first session and we can do collective sessions. We don't want to keep uh, introducing the breathwork for people who've already heard it, but to have the introduction for those who haven't, those who have experienced it with us before can refresh their memory. And then we can engage in that shared breathwork that comes from the Amazon, from the Yanomami people and has been introduced to us by the Witoto tribe and we've been practicing it for uh, about 18 years now with our community. And so if you're inspired by that, we will share more. And so now if there are any comments, questions, feedback, your own process that you've been going through and reflections in relation to this team that we are discussing, the evolutionary approach, then uh, we will welcome it at this time. There's a couple of already here. Mm -hmm. So Cynthia is here. She can say hello also. Hello. I don't know if you can hear me without a mic. I think I can okay. hear you. It's nice to see everybody. And I've been watching everyone's comments. I'm feeling really connected to everyone in the community right now. So I'm going to read the questions to Roman and Emily. and. Um, if you guys can't see them or hear me read them, they're in the chat window, so you can refer to that. Okay, great. <laughs> so, um, and we, I think the quality of the sound is much better yeah, than I'm all good. of our previous talks. We've worked really hard <laughs> to improve that, so it's great to be able to connect with everyone with good sound quality. One question from Brandon, he's saying, is this the manifestation of the disease that you talk about in the Knowledge of the Amazon talk? And you can't remember the name. I think you're talking about the virola, the disease. Oh, Vetico. Huh? Vetico. 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 Yeah. The northern Native American people since ancient times spoke about Vetico as the disease of humanity. And when the first 
conquistadors came and colonists, they were not blamed for the disease. The wisdom holders, they actually said that it's not the people that are to blame, but it's that disease of greed, of separation, of scarcity mentality, of ignorance and confusion. That's the disease of humanity. And that disease knows no borders. And it goes across race and gender. And it's something that we all have to work with in ourselves and acknowledge that on a deepest level. And then, of course, that kind of mentality then lowers the immune system. It puts us into the fight or flight, the sympathetic nervous system response, and then our immunity is lowered. And then, of course, abiding in a state of shared heart, in a state of reciprocity and openness, that uh, greater organism that we can relate to then boosts the immune system and activates the parasympathetic nervous system. And that's the rest and digest. And so the ancients also in the Amazon, they have recognized this disease of forgetfulness, forgetting how our essential nature is heart-centered. So in a way, this is one of the manifestations of that forgetfulness. From Cassidy, says, my question is, um, as an empath, I've been feeling intense, the intensity of pain, suffering, fear, and scarcity of the planet. I uh, feel safe holding that suffering, and I face this with compassion, but the fear and scarcity of all those around me has felt particularly heavy, and at times has made it hard to care for myself. So I wonder, how can I best stay connected to my fellow man and exist in the shared house heart without overwhelming myself by other people's emotional reactions of our time? Is a level of control over our anxiety possible during this time, or should my focus be on something else altogether? As in, I accept this anxiety exists, now what? Well, Cassidy is asking um, about uh, how um, there, there is this uh, classification uh, that exists today of some people being more sensitive and receptive and uh, they're called empaths and uh, how it's much more challenging because there's greater sensitivity and receptivity to this kind of uh, fear-mongering that is going around and uh, anxiety and fear and scarcity that is taking place and um, within the Amazonian tradition um, within the Andean and also the Tibetan one, it is an essential part of the practice to cultivate greater receptivity and to cultivate that sensitivity and it's something that everyone has. And um, at the same time, it's only one part of that. The other part is to actually uh, not get swayed by the experiences by whatever sensations and emotions and feelings are taking place and also not to create so much of this um, separation and so to me i haven't been finding this kind of classification system uh, so useful in my life where i'm an empath and others are not and um, i find that uh, everyone have that telepathic ability whether they are conscious of that or not, we are all sensing each other. We are all connecting to each other and tuning in to each other on conscious and, un and on subconscious levels. And uh, it, it is something that is shared. And then how do each one of us engages with that? Those emotions, the anger, the fear, the panic, the anxiety is not something that is just someone experiencing and I'm not. We are all experiencing that. The pain is not what makes me special. The suffering is not what makes me special and others don't feel it. Everyone are feeling it in their own way. But then what makes each one of us, what puts each one of us on an evolutionary path is the willingness to engage with those energies and situations in a more present 
and more rooted way. So yes, there is this anxiety, but then instead of pushing it away, how can I open myself fully to it and not get lost in it? How can I find that greater spaciousness in order to deal with everything that is happening in the world? If I just close down in myself and pretend like nothing is happening and I don't want to see anyone or hear anything, and uh, what is that? Uh, don't hear, don't see, don't... What is that? Whatever. Speak. Speak. It's not the solution. And so there is this uh, Zen story that I share at times with uh, our friends in retreats uh, and also in the introduction to breathwork that has to do with that uh, opening of oneself to the challenges. And it's the story how a, a student uh, or someone who was really struggling came to uh, uh, a wise elder and uh, told them that they cannot deal with all of those challenges and there's all of those situations and experiences and constantly being reminded of that by people around and not knowing how to deal with that. And uh, then uh, the elder gave them a glass with water and told them to put 10 cups of salt in it and then asked them to drink it. Then they drank it and they couldn't really drink it. The elder asked, well, what's going on? He said, it's so salty, I cannot really taste it. It's too much for me, too much for me to deal with. And then the elder took them outside. There was a beautiful lake uh, that was uh, outside of the house and told them to put the same 10 spoons of salt in the lake. Same amount of suffering, same amount of disturbing emotions and anxiety and fear-based mentality that went into a lake instead of an individual cup. And then asked them to take that cup and to drink it. To take that cup and take the water out of the lake where the 10 spoons have gone into. And then that student did not feel any salt. The amount of salt was the same, but the capacity to engage with it that knowing of the unconditional presence, that uh, boundless space of the heart that each one of us has within us. That is what makes a difference. And so all of these ancestral wisdoms, traditions, they are pointing to that. It's not about closing down and this is too much for me and I don't want to deal. No. Actually, it's about getting to know that innate capacity, getting to know the wisdom of nature that we often forget. I forget. And then I feel like I'm overwhelmed, like it's too much, I cannot deal with it. But it's just because of not knowing that there is that capacity. There is that capacity that is not lost in the face of adversity. And it's something to practice from smaller experiences to greater ones. Of course, if I just wait for apocalypse to remember that unconditional capacity of the heart, then I'm going to be swept away. But if I can experience it in many different situations in my life, in many small ways, how I can notice that I'm getting frustrated, that I'm getting irritated, that I'm getting upset, and to really notice that, and to really be with that, and not avoid it. And then I can gradually practice and prepare myself for greater and greater challenges and situations in life. And so this is also part of that wake-up call. Okay, it's time to really tune in into how I deal with many experiences throughout my daily life, and how I often don't even want to acknowledge that. I want to pretend like I'm such a good person and I have everything under control and I don't get irritated or frustrated easily. But if I really tune in, I can see that there is that almost uh, physical response that takes place and I block it and I just tend to get lost in all kinds of um, entertainment of the mind and ways that I don't want to see it until it gets really loud 
And it's those messages of nature that keep bringing that through. Yeah, you know, some way that I can relate to this question is I've been seeing a lot of fear and anxiety on the external. And even today, I heard some um, feedback of what's happening in Peru and people are reacting um, to the state of the situation there out of fear and anxiety and pain and um, and then uh, choosing to act out of aggression and violence and um, potentially harming others that could have the virus in a way to protect themselves and then seeing how easy it is for me to think oh that's the wrong way to react and instead I've been making it a practice to reflect on that and see like where have I done that in my own life and and where can I take responsibility for reacting out of fear and anxiety and especially when I was um, confronted with uh, with colon cancer and seeing myself swept away in this fear and reacting to it like the war on cancer and wanting to just do everything I could to um, cut that down and ignore it and push it away and even cause harm to that around me instead of being able to embrace it and take it in and I see that that's a practice for me. I can't do it in every moment of my life, but I want to open up to everything that everybody is experiencing at this time and really see how am I responding to life with those reactions and emotions and fears as well. So we have one more question and then we will share some details about ways that we are inspired to continue connecting with all of our friends around the globe and continue to experience this relatedness and openness to rise to the occasion. This is from Christy Marin. Says, My question is, after we get through the quarantine phase and we are getting back into our daily life, I hear from others the fear that people will have a hard time hugging again or touching again or that social connection will change. I'm asking myself, what can I do in my community to encourage social connection and human touch? Mm. I think that more than anything, it's uh, more than even hugging, uh, it's the willingness to really open up to each other and to really listen to each other and to be fully present with each other. That's the greatest present that we can give each other is to be fully present with each other. That naturally, in my experience, helps to overcome fear. So right now we are near Mexico City and we just arrived here and there are some friends here that we connected with and initially they were a little bit anxious about coming and seeing us in person. To me that was really an invitation to relate and to be present with that situation and I expressed uh, how it's understandable and that it's not wrong and I can see their concerns and why they uh, have that kind of approach at this time. And then once I expressed that and shared it and also shared our process and what we've been going through and one of our friends came to visit yesterday who was a little bit, what do you call it, like uh, on, on the fence about coming us and he actually came to see us and it's just this connection and recognizing, oh, this is so beautiful to share presence with each other. And not even hugging and at first maintaining some distance and waiting who go, who's going to cough first. And then after a while seeing, okay, you know, yeah, there is this much deeper connection that is taking place. And then we can also hug each other because there is this relatedness, recognition that we are not so different from each other. And then I know some people really like snuggle parties. I'm not really into that. But we have some friends in San Francisco that are really into that. And I don't think they're going to stop snuggling. They've been, it, it's been their main practice for quite a few years now. And uh, they love it. So 
I think that uh, people are going to find ways to continue relating and opening its human natures, that basic goodness that we have within all of us. And I don't think that any fear can stop that for a long time. So thank you, everyone. Really beautiful to connect with everyone. We'll continue to snuggle across the borders and find ways to do it more and more on the level of the shared heart and continued relatedness. So very grateful for everyone who are tuning in and love you all deeply. And your life brings greater meaning to our lives and makes us wish to go through all of the challenges that life presents us with so that we can continue to honor each other. Much gratitude. Ciao, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have a question about what was shared today or wish to ask a question for us to cover in the future, please visit www.paititi-institute.org. That's www.paititi-institute.org. May all beings be happy and free.